It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Between 1975 and 1979, about two to three million people were killed in Cambodia by the extreme communist guerrilla group, the Khmer Rouge. This was genocide in its purest form, as described by many people. Among one of those survivors is my guest on the podcast today. She grew up in Cambodia, and for four years, she was held captive by the Khmer Rouge regime and endured very harsh working conditions. These includes working long hours in the rice fields under the extreme hot sun. She contracted several diseases and yet still continued to work. She got to a point where she was sent to a death camp waiting to die. She joins us by Zoom from Florida to tell her story, and she's in the person of Sarah M. Sarah, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Fred. I'm, I'm very honored to be here with you. The pleasure is all mine, Sarah, and thank you for being willing to um, sharing your, your story. I know this happened many, many years ago, but Sarah, can you take us back um, as far as you can remember um, when you were living in Cambodia and uh, maybe give us a, a recount um, of what happened when you were living there? Yes, I want to uh, go back to the time when I grew up in Cambodia. Um, I was I grew up in a farm area where my parents are farmers, but they believe in higher education. So they keep encouraged me to keep going in school, get more education. So with that in mind, I took opportunity to attend college as soon as I can. So a college is not in my hometown. It was far away it's in the capital city. It's called Phnom Penh. So it's about 300 miles away from home. And that means I left my family behind while I was in college. In 1975, the communist Khmer Rouge took over our country. This is, we never expect that anything drastic would, would happen. We never, never thought it possible. But it was, it was, uh, they came in and they turned our life upside down. Wow. And this was while you were in college studying, I believe, to become an engineer, right? Was that correct? Yes. Yes. Were but you... the, the day that they invade, the day, day that they came in, the school was not, not on. Uh, everything was shut down because we just celebrated New Year celebration. So everything was shut down for a celebration. So they took that opportunity, mm -hmm. come in while everybody was enjoying life and all that. So pretty quickly, they evacuate the whole city. Wow. And needless to say, you didn't even get a chance to complete your education, right? Because of the upheaval, the political upheaval? No, no. Wow. So Sarah, no. How, how, how does one process this? One time or... Once upon a time, life's great, you're in college, you're studying, you're pursuing a career of your dreams. And then the next moment, whilst you're celebrating New Year, life gets appended, this region 
regime comes, takes over, and then everything is, is turned upside down. How was this for you? Were you able to connect with your family? And what happened after that? I was not able to connect with my family. Wow. The post office was closed. The bus line was closed. The airport was closed. Wow. So I have no way to go home and no way to reach out to call home to find out if everybody is okay. No, nobody know about anybody. So um, at that time, I was fortunate to have my uncle that uh, live in the suburb of the uh, the capital city. I was with him and his family. We were hiding in the empty school building, mm. hiding from the gunshot and everything. But when they came in, they went door to door, pointing the gun at all the people to wow. if, to let us, you know, yell at us to go, go. So we just grab whatever we can, uh, whatever we can carry, just a few clothes and a little bit of rice, a little bit of food. That's it. And we, now, we so you you're saying they when you were hiding in the school building, these guys come in and you know with their guns drawn out and everything, and did they find you? And, yes. and they they ordered you out. No, no one was killed. No one was harmed. No one was harmed because we we just do whatever they want us to do. If we resist, we will get shot. Mm. So where did you go from there, Sarah? We just walked along the river. There, there was a big river, and we walked to the village that is uh, outside of the city. Mm-hmm. And that's my my aunt in law's hometown. Mm-hmm. It's not close. It's far. We walked. I I don't remember exactly how many days, but more than a week. Wow. You walked about a week to get to that place. Yeah, more than a week. And we ran out of food and we we don't have food. There is no place for us to buy because everything was shut down. And we sleep on the ground. And... uh, we put we live we have some money in the bank but even we can withdraw the money we cannot buy anything no the the bank was closed nobody can get the money from the bank but even if we get it what can you do with the money when nothing was open wow now how how safe was it going through i believe you know not sure what the terrain was, but traveling on foot for a week. How safe was that even um, uh, taking taking that journey? Well, there's so many people, hundreds and thousands of people. Mm. So we we are in the same same situation. So right. I don't feel I don't feel frightened by right. other people because there are a lot of people uh, there because are a lot of people, lot of people. Right. okay but i'm i'm feel afraid of the gun the mm-hmm. the, the the new communist camaro they came in with military style 
it's a military takeover. It's uh, a very hostile. Were they following you through uh, as you were making that journey to that to that next not next town or next city? Were, were they were they following you with with guns and and all that just to making sure that you're no yeah? There are a few guards that uh, walk along with the with the all the crowd. So if anybody try to do something crazy, they will shoot you. Did 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 that happen to anyone? I As did not see I did not see anything happen because everybody was trying to obey what they were they want us to do. Now why they why were they trying to get you out of uh, out of the city? What was it Because going? they don't want people to live in the city. Got it. This is the regime that they want to to take everything from scratch. Mm. They want to rebuild the country without anything to do with the previous uh government government they they don't want to use the old system wow yeah so so what happened then when you got to, to that city i mean how did you end up in the rice fields well i end up in in the village that that my aunt-in-law uh grew up with and then from there, they uh, displace us. They they ask for people who want to move to a different city. The other city that they mention, it's my hometown. Mm. Of course, when I heard that not that name, I want to go because yeah. I want to go home. Yeah. So I signed up, and when the time come for all the people that sign up to go. They took us on the bus and then on the boat and then on the train. It's a long way. Mm. But they dropped us in the middle of nowhere. Wow. I did not get to my hometown. And then that's where they we had to re to build our own shelter to mm. live in in the middle of nowhere. Wow. So um I realized that I'm now going to find my family but i don't know what to do but later on they were announcing that they want the single single people either man or woman to sign up they they have a training camp so whenever i heard the word sign up they they want to move people to different place i always volunteer why is that? You know why? Because I just want to find my way closer to my hometown. So I just I took a chance and said, "Me, I I'm volunteer." Yeah. So this time I make a big mistake. I volunteer to move away from my uncle's family. Mm. So they look for single men and women, and my uncle and his family cannot follow me. So I make a big mistake right there, but it's it's the opportunity for me, from my point of view, mm -hmm. opportunity to to see if I can get closer to my hometown. Mm. How, old were, I, how old were you at this, at this time, Sarah? I was 21. Wow. Yeah. So I did not get to my hometown. I, I got stuck in the camp. 
this camp, there was 1,000 of us, all single. That means we are the strongest force. Mm -hmm. That means they, they push us to work extremely hard. Mm. And were, was this camp, the, the fields that you that you describe in the um, in, in, in your story, in your book? Yes. Yeah. Yes. What, what were conditions like living living in that camp or some of the uh, the ordeals that you had to endure living in this camp? Well, um, the work is like about 15 to 16 hours a day, seven wow. days a week. Wow. Seven days a week. In the field, in the hot sun, the sun in 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 Cambodia, it's hotter than in Florida. Mm. I would say the average is about a hundred degree. Wow! And, and you you're... you work in that sun all day long. No, there's no rest, and um, the time to sleep is only a few hours tonight. And they give us really little food to eat. So a lot of people are so starved. I was starved to death. Was starving, hungry all the time. And then when we don't have enough food, we become so tired and exhausted. How did you survive this mentally, physically, emotionally, and even psychologically, Sarah? Well, just hope that the next day might be better. Just hope that something better will come. Mm. Uh, we just, I just keep my hope up. Mm. And one of these days, I might be able to go home and find, uh, be with my loving family. Mm. That's all I hope for. And up until this time, you hadn't heard from your family. You weren't sure whether they were alive or not. No, there is no way for us to communicate. No way. No, no letter, no post office. Because they, they eliminate anything that we used to have. They don't want it. Now, was this, was this during this time that, you know, the one or two million people died? Was this, was this during these working conditions? Yeah, not only just died because we were forced to work too hard, die of disease. Mm. Because when we are depleted, totally depleted, we get sick easily. Mm -hmm. And um, it started, I got sick from one of my close friends. Mm. She's the one who come from the same town that my uncle's family live. Mm. So she got sick with uh, high fever. So she was so desperate to, to get some help. So she, she asked me to hug her, to help me, help me. So I hugged her. And the next day, you I got, got the too. same condition. How did you survive As, that? Yeah, I, I it was uh, contagious. So I got high fever. I got uh, malaria. I got typhoid. And then even later on, I become blind at night. I lost my sight at night because of lack of nutrition. How did you survive that, Sarah? Well, just keep pushing. Keep pushing because I, I was not ready to give up hope. 
I still hope that I might be able to go home. In, how, in how, how easy was it? Because uh, at that point, I'm sure a lot of people, I'm not sure what I would have done if I were in that situation, but I'm sure at that point, a lot of people might have given up hope thinking this is it, right? This is this is my fate. What was it, Sarah, that made you believe or hope that something positive could come out of this situation for you? I have no idea, but all I want is the loving environment that I used to have. Mm. Um, I, I'm... I did not get the chance to talk to you about what happened before 1975. When I was a teenage, my mom had an accident. She became paralyzed. From her neck down, she could not move. Mm. And here, my mom was so vivacious. She, she's very active and she's like a, a breadwinner in the family. She's very smart. But once she is down, our financial situation was so, so depleted. Yeah. We, we exhaust all our savings. But I was uh, the firstborn, and I was the one who take, took care of my mom. I took care of her with my love. I love her so much because she's everything to me. Was your mom alive when the Khmer Rouge regime took over? Yes, yes. So with my care for my mom, we become closer, very close. We love each other and I know how much my mom loved me. So that that lovely relationship that helped me, I believe that's what helped me to be strong during the hardest time. Mm. What did that do to you in this situation where you knew your mom, you know, was paralyzed, but living somewhere, you didn't have any contact, you didn't know whether she was alive. Um, how, how did that, what did that do to you? It's very really desperate. No, my mom was uh, paralyzed for four years, about four and a half years. And then she, she got better. She was able to walk again just before I left for college. So that's that's gave me a peace of mind that my mom can walk now. I can go to college. But now when the communist Khmer took over, I have no connection. That's what the yearning is. My yearning to go back home to make sure that my family is good. My family is okay. I have two little baby brothers that I help erase when my mom was ill so those are the connection the strong bond that i have with my family that's i believe that's what keep me alive were you able to reconnect with your family yes how did that happen well i endured for four years in the in the camp but after four years they moved the camp. They moved the camp to the jungle. And when I know that we are heading to the jungle, 
and we are getting in the jungle. I realize that's the wrong direction. I'm not going to keep moving with them anymore. Mm. So I believe that God gave me the courage, mm. the courage to do something. Get out. Get out. How did you get out? I was thinking about doing it, making a, an escape. But at that time, my health was physically, I was very frail, mm. very weak. So I gathered three friends. I asked them to see if they want to accommodate me to go with me to escape. And they agree. They say, yes, I'll go with you. And we took a chance. We did not have anything to plan. There's nothing to plan. We don't have a map. We don't have the the flashlight or anything. All we know that we had to wait until nighttime. It's easy to to That's not crazy. be seen. Well, what did you th What did you think you were going in the middle of the night when you when you when you escaped? <laughs> we tried to track by the 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 way that we came from. We are just guessing. We we don't know for sure because when the night come, it's black, totally black. You cannot see it in the jungle. But we hold hand and we we just took a chin. It's it's better. It's better to do something. Do and, something and stay and not and not um and not, not yeah not to succumb to the fate that we know that it's not a good good place. You know, Sarah, this reminds me of uh, this uh, story in the Bible about the three lepers, um, where they were they were they were starving and they were they wanted to escape, they wanted to go into the city, but then they were afraid that if they go to the city, they might be uh, they might not make it, and then they told themselves, well, if we stay here, we die. If we go, we die. What do we have to lose, right? And then they took a chance, and then they went, and then things things got better. They were able to escape and um, found themselves a lot of a lot of good things um, in there. It, so it, that reminds me. So when you when you plan this escape with your friends, where did you end up, and and how long did it take you to get out of that environment to to wherever you you got to? Well, we walked a whole night, one whole night, and the next morning. When when the the sun shine, we saw each other's we look at each other's face and we just laugh and we just praising God that mm -hmm. we made it. They did not find us. Where did you end up? We end up um well honest we're still not too far from the jungle, but mm -hmm. we we think that we've we get into the village and we see some we saw some people walking um people walking and i was so surprised why these people are so free yeah why i was why was i and my friend was in captivity yeah why those people are so free but later on i found out the whole country had been liberated four months before i got out Wow. For a month. But they only just kept those in the jungle, right? They just let everyone else uh, was liberated. If I did not, took a, did not 
take a chance. I will never find out. I will probably die in the jungle. Mm. There's a very powerful lesson there, uh, Sarah, that I, I don't want us to miss, right? You, you find yourself in, here you are, you're, you're in physical captivity, right, in, in this jungle. And there are many of us who are stuck in that in that jungle, in that captivity, right? It could be mentally, it could be emotionally, mm -hmm. right? But there's that fear, right, of, of, um, of, of, of breaking free, right? Because we think if, if, I, if I break free or maybe I'm not even going to try, right? Because I'm not even sure what's going to happen. And so we find ourselves trapped in this, in this quagmire, in this jungle, in this captivity, in this mindset, in this faulty belief system, right? Um, whereas if we, you know, decide to take that step and I know it's not easy. I'm not, I'm not minimizing this at all. I'm sure it took a lot of courage, like you rightly said, right. To even decide to break free from this environment, knowing that you could have, you could have even been killed, right. If you have been fast. So I'm not minimizing that at all, but I think there is a powerful lesson here, sir, for, for us, for, for me, for, for our listeners, right. About taking that step of faith and, you know, yeah, not, not knowing what lies next door, right. Yes, yes, definitely. Then today is Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah, as, as, as the recording of this podcast. Yeah, this is the same. Okay, so, January 16th. Yes, he's a, a role model who show us that we have to have that courage to step out from the environment that is not good for us. Mm -hmm. If we don't do anything, there's nothing changed. Yeah. How did you end up uh, in the United States then, um, Sarah? <laughs> A long story. After, um, after I got out from the jungle, I walked a long, long, long walk to go to my hometown. And finally, I found my family. Wow. And it took me one whole year to restore my health. Mm. I had so many conditions that my mom nurtured me, my dad nurtured me with their wonderful food and their love. And over a year, I restored my health, but our country was not, not getting better. Our country was still very dis destructive, very, we, we didn't have anything left. What was, that, what was that reunion like um, with your family? It's beautiful. It's 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 wonderful. We lost everything, but we have each other. Yeah. Good to know that. So no one of your family members, um, none of your family members were killed during this time. Well, my my brother was on the blacklist. If we didn't get liberated mm. by that time, he would probably wouldn't be here with us. Mm. But at one point, when the day that they there was a liberation, my whole family got together and tried to track back away from the the communist uh, environment. They got caught. They got caught along the way, and those soldiers almost pulled the trigger. Mm. It will take only a few seconds to to wipe out my whole family. But God was good. My mom came up with 
a very clever accuse and they put the, the gun down wow. so i'm yeah I'm, I'm not going to to spoil you with all the detail but i i write it on my book that it's only take a few seconds my family will be wiped out mm. but thank god yeah yeah same but i lost a lot of cousins mostly male my male cousins were gone uncle my uncle was gone the other uncle so a lot of men mm. did not make it because the starvation the disease mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also there was an execution they they kill a lot of people that have higher education or have connection with previous government yeah. or have served in the military all the people that have you know some prominent position or even commercial people business people that did well that make uh, earn a lot of money and all that they are they they come with madness they came in to destroy so that's why i want to share my story because this is an example that whatever we do if we don't love people it's go to destroy the world we cannot lead the country or the revolution or anything with madness we anger with resentment we have to have kindness we have to have compassion and love what has that taught you what is this experience i mean i know this is this has been many many years ago sarah but but this is a story a story that you continue to tell uh you speak um to, to a lot of people you tell your story you capture the story in your book uh what has this taught you personally what life lessons personally have you have you learned from this from this experience well what i learned is this there's hate and love mm. they're total opposite mm. if you live your life with love as the foundation you will survive and you will be successful but if you live your life with hate and bitterness and anger you lead your life to destruction mm. not only just your own life you take a lot of life with you wow. and there are a lot of people there are a lot of um, people Sarah who you know for whatever reason um harboring hate or harboring bitterness or harboring unforgiveness um what, what do you have to say to that to them well that's why I'm I'm doing this that's why I'm speaking and I'm sharing we have to to switch our mindset mm. we have to find something good to be grateful for no matter what situation we find ourselves in if we are look for good looking for goodness in that situation you will find you will find goodness 
And I guarantee you, um, this is a quick example. A few years ago, before the pandemic, I had a car accident. I my my car was destroyed. So I lost my only car. It's my fault. I ran the red light. I was thinking about something else and I forgot to look up. It's the red light. I ran through the the light and somebody else I I, I caused an accident. Wow. So I was so upset with myself. Yeah. I lost the car. I and the the insurance go up and all that negative stuff. And then yeah. I I woke up, I say, hey, stop, stop mm. it. Mm. It's only the car. Mm. It's only the money. But you are alive. What a powerful perspective. You I did not get hurt anyway. Well, I hurt my neck a little bit, so I can I went to the therapy. Mm -hmm. But I'm alive. What if I what if I break my, my head or break my neck and I become disabled? Could have been worse. That's even worse. So you in any situation you will find something good about it mm. and be grateful for it. I love it. So that's what I live my life right now. How I live my life. I'm always look for something to be grateful for. To be grateful for. What a powerful uh, perspective here, Sarah. And I, this is something that I have said uh, on numerous occasions uh, with various guests on this podcast. And for those of you um, who have followed or who have listened to, you know, some of these interviews, you, you'd hear gratitude a lot, right? This is something that many of my guests have shared, the importance of gratitude, the importance of finding you know, that, that silver lining, right? And in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the difficulty, in the midst of all the tragedy that we may be experiencing. And here you are underscoring the fact that gratitude is still very important regardless of whatever we may be going through in life. So after I recover my health and so on, the country was still pretty, pretty bad, didn't have anything. And um, there was a lot of crime. There's... So my mom was fearful for my for my sake because I was a single woman in the very chaotic country. So she said, you need to go, honey. Go where? Go out. Go out of the country. Here I am, dreaming for four years to be reunited with my family. And now I need to go out. I'm sure that was another difficult, difficult journey, right? Difficult transition, difficult phase in your life, right? Having yes, yes. Yes, very heartbreaking. So I need to leave my family again. Because at that time, my mom was not doing well. She's still, still sick. My mom suffered a lot of sickness because of her accident. So um, at that time, she, she was not able to travel. And I'm the only person that of the family can travel. So I need to escape 
out of the country because I cannot buy the airplane ticket and fly out. There's no no airplane. So I had to cross the border from Cambodia to Thailand. The border are heavily landmined. Mm. Landmined border. And the Thai people, they don't they they watch the border very closely. They don't want people to come in the country. So very dangerous. But to make a long story short, I made it out out to the Thai border and I found a re the refugee camp that the United Nations set up. It's the United Nations that saved our life. If there's no United Nations, there was no refugee camp, I probably end up not in a good situation. So, yeah, so I got to the, the refugee camp and um, I found my relative, my only relative who lived in the United States for a long time, uh, before me, and he sponsored me to come. Wow. Sarah, this is an interview that I, I, I think we have to do a part two on because I'm sure there is a lot that you still have to share. This is just one part of your life, having escaped the, the camp and, and surviving it and now escaping again, leaving the country uh, to Thailand and then making your way to the United States. I, I'm really interested in how life turned out, you know, where you got to the United States and, you know, what happened to your family. And uh, I would really love for us to do a, a part two um, of this podcast, if you're up to sure. it. Sure, I will be happy to. Yes, the, the second part of my story is also very interesting. And I'm sure yeah. our audiences would love, um, our listeners would love to to hear about. I would, I would like to know what happened when you got to the United States and what some of those challenges were. Uh, <laughs> a lot of surprises. <laughs> a lot of surprises, right, as in life. But Sarah, I, I think that there is something to be said. I mean, you, you're saying this very lightheartedly. You're 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 very calm about this, but I'm sure this wasn't you know easy back then, right? Even escaping, you know, watching people die, contracting all those diseases, and the, you you could have easily died, right? But mm -hmm. somehow you held on to hope. You you risked a lot of things. You had a different perspective. All these lessons, right? Gratitude are some of these things that I believe um helped you and, and you're still living today to tell your story and, and there's so many of us who don't even face not even close right to what you had to endure but aren't able to gather or garner the strength and the courage to even keep moving on so we definitely want to do a part two uh to this uh, if you're up to this but before we wrap up this first session here there's someone Sarah, probably watching or listening to this podcast uh, who may, 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 be, may be trapped, right? Maybe trapped in their minds, maybe trapped mm -hmm. emotionally, trapped uh, uh, psychologically, you know, whether it's to the past or, or whatever, right? And they just can't seem to have or find the faith and the courage to move uh, past where they are. What do you say to that person right now, Sarah, as we wrap up this uh, part one of this, of this um, discussion? Well, I would say that, you know, you are worthy. You are a worthy person. Mm -hmm. You have to recognize yourself too. Mm -hmm. 
If you know you are worthy, you deserve better. But it depends on your courage. You have to have courage to do something, to to give to acknowledge yourself, your value. If you have value, you need to live a better life. Mm. So take a chance on yourself. But also you have to have hope. You have to believe that you can do it. That something something is better. So I did not give up hope when I contract several disease and got so close to that and I I did not want to give up. I said, you know, I will do all my all all the best. Do my best to survive because I have a purpose. My purpose is my family. So what is your family? What is your purpose? Mm. The purpose has to be better, bigger than ourselves. We are not living just for ourselves. I'm not living just for my own self. I live, at that time, it was my family. That's what I'm fighting for. I try to survive because I want to be back to my family. But whatever you are struggled with, you you will have to decide. You have to make a decision. You have to have that courage. You have to have that faith. The, the faith is very important. You have to believe that there's something better. Yeah. And there are times when that decision you have to make, right? This is the decision that you have to make, that finding that purpose, it's, it's your purpose, you have to find it. You have to take a chance on yourself. There may be times when, you know, the people you trust or the people you, you love may, may not be there with you. There may be a time when you and only you will have to make that decision. Sarah, and thank you so much for coming on this podcast and sharing part one uh, of your life story with us. And uh, until we come your way with part two, I want to say thank you again for tuning in. And until next time, stay well. Tune in for part two.